Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Inside Clips of Football with LeVon Kirkland. Coming up, it's finally here. The college football playoff is back. And once again, Clemson is back in it. As me and LeVon break down everything you need to know about the semifinal matchup between number two Clemson and number three Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day. The big question is how will the Tigers do without offensive coordinator Tony Elliott? He did not make the trip to New Orleans with the Tigers on Wednesday after testing positive for COVID-19. Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney announced he will move Brandon Streeter to the press box to call Friday night's game, while former Clemson great C.J. Spiller will now coach the running backs. We will also discuss if Trevor Lawrence will be given the freedom to call some of the plays on his own. The matchup to watch is Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables against Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. How will the Tigers stop Justin Fields, and can they get enough stops? We will also give out our predictions and more. But before we do all of that, the NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and the college football playoffs are about to start. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking Clemson to cover in the Sugar in the Sugar Bowl or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs this weekend, you need to go to betonline.ag. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, Happy New Year, LeVon, man. Uh, man. First of all, tell me, you, you got all your wishes, you got your black eyed peas. What are you doing, New Year's? What are you doing? Yeah, you know, I actually I went to Publix. I got my black eyed peas and I got <laughs> collard greens, which I really don't like that much, to be honest with you. Right. But I'm going to see if I can docker it up some kind of way that um, the taste won't be too bitter to my, to my palate. So, yeah, I got all that. I was able to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time with my daughter um, during the Christmas break, so it's good. Uh, you know, we had the unfortunate news about Kevin mm-hmm. uh, Green and what happened there, and um, just really condolences goes out to his wife and kids and his family. But yeah, other man. than that, had a really good weekend. The, the Steelers won, man. That was good. Yeah, they that's finally pulled uh, one out. Yeah, they finally pulled one out, ended that streak, and then um, this week they uh, go and tell us they're going to – sit Ben for this game and a couple other starters and I understand that but man you and I both know what that means there's a that gives the stinking Browns a good chance to get in the playoffs and you know neither one of us want that to happen so <laughs> right yeah of all the games you sit Ben out I mean you, you really don't want him to do this especially from a fan's perspective mm-hmm. you want him to play so you can beat those uh, Cleveland Browns but he's going to sit which I understand is kind of smart rest him up a little bit and get him ready for the playoff game. But, yeah, with him not in the game, you know, hopefully Mason does a really good job. You never know. But, don't. yeah, you, you rather have uh, you rather, you rather have Big Ben in that situation than uh, Mason. So, we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. And you remember all the controversy that went around last year's game at the end when the rough and the passer, yeah. the things that were said or didn't right. say, and mm-hmm. with Miles Garrett and all that stuff, ripping the helmet off and pouncy pouncing on him. I mean, that was a street fight. I'm telling you, it was a street fight. It was like, wow, he is kicking and punching this guy. <laughs> Usually football fights are not really like that. There's a lot of pushing and shoving, you know, not a lot of fisticuffs involved. But Pouncey was actually, I mean, it was like a street fight. It was it was something else. It looked like first day of Oklahoma drills when the guys just get mad at each other because they can finally hit each other. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> right. But you know that the Oklahoma drill has made more NBA players than any other drill in football history. Okay, you got to elaborate. <laughs> Tell well, me about Because the, the guy who probably played basketball probably played football at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And then they do the Oklahoma drill where you lay down, you have to get up real quick and uh, hit the guy. And I'm sure that a lot of basketball players were born that day because that drill is no joke. <laughs> so they always say that the Oklahoma drill has made more NBA stars than any other drill in football. 
I think you're absolutely correct, man. I love it, dude. That's yeah. awesome. That's good stuff, man. Um, so, you know, so this is the week, you know, okay, I'm going to tell this story. So when I was working with Ipte Media and uh, we went to um, the NCAA tournament back in 2010, mm-hmm. and it was in Dayton, and Clemson won their first tournament game since like 1997. Right. So I went up to Coach Brownell, who's, um, you know, He's, he's a big Bengals fan, so I'd like to give him a hard time. So I went up to him after the game. We're sitting in the um, – you know, we're getting ready to get on the, the private jet that takes us to, to Tampa for the second round. And um, so I, uh, I go up to him. I say, hey, Coach, man, I got one thing to say. And he's like, okay, what's that? And I said, I just want to say thanks, man. Thanks for coming to Ohio and winning because as a Steelers fan, winning in Ohio is what we're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> this is what we're used to. And he started laughing and said, get out of here. He actually said something else that I won't say because right, we're right, PG right. here. But uh, he told me to get away from him, he, you know, a little smirk on his face because he knew, you know, what I was getting after. And But that kind of sets us up, man, to what's going on because not only are, are Steelers playing the Browns this week, which mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously a team from Ohio we want to win, but Clemson's playing Ohio State in football again. Yes. again. And so – I would love a Clemson win, obviously, and I would love a Steelers win. It would be nice to have a nice sweep this week, right? I mean, let's sweep the state of Ohio. For me and you, that is. Let's sweep the state of Ohio this week. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you know, when I played with the Steelers back in the day, man, it was nothing better than to beat the Cleveland Browns and to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it was a lovely thing. And – you know, they always say that Pittsburgh Steelers fans really travel well. I really think that Pittsburgh Steelers fans are just everywhere. It's not so much they necessarily travel well. They're just everywhere you go. So, yeah, it will be kind of cool for us to do that, man. Um, we got some big games this weekend. Man, let's, let's go Tigers. Let's go Steelers. That's absolutely. It starts Friday night. And we'll kind of get going here because the news, as you mentioned, kind of broke today. It was kind of crazy. Um you know, uh, Tony Elliott, Clemson's offensive coordinator, um, uh, Dabo Sweeney, or first Clemson announced that he was in protocol uh, and would not travel with the team and would not be available to coach in the game um, against Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. And then when Dabo lands, he talks to ESPN's Tom Rinaldi and t- tells him that, uh, hey, he's indeed tested positive for COVID-19. The good news is he's asymptomatic. Um, and he's doing well, so that's the good news about all that. So, um, but the bad news is Clemson's not going to be without Tony Elliott. And uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. That when you heard that initial news and what it could mean and what impact could it mean for this game? Well, you know, I, when I heard the news, my confidence level as far as the Tigers were concerned kind of went down a little bit because I think when you miss a coordinator of Tony Elliott's caliber you're going to be missing something. Mm-hmm. Tony's been doing it for quite some time. He has a feel for the offense. He seems to do a very good job of adjusting um, in halftime. And nobody's done it better, I don't think, in my opinion, than Tony Elliott as far as building up to the ranks and being a, a great offensive coordinator. I won't call him good. I'll call him great. He knows the game. He understands the game. And he has a feel for what his team can do and what Trevor is very comfortable with. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, you don't want to make any excuses, but I think we have the right to have an explanation that Tony Elliott, one of the best offensive coordinators in college football, is not going to be there. And to say that won't have an effect, I, I think you'll be lying to yourself or you're quite naive. Yeah, I, you know, and we'll give out our predictions later, but I think it's a seven-point difference. I mean, I really do. It's like a touchdown. You're losing like a touchdown there because, yes, you got all these playmakers, and Dabo's quote today was, you know, hey, look, you know, players make plays, not the plays make the players. And so – and that's true. That's definitely yeah. true. However, mm-hmm. to, as you mentioned, Tony Elliott is just so smart. And, man, the thing I like about Tony Elliott, and I was on a radio show – earlier today and I talked about this very thing is that he's so um he he's so patient and he stays with the game plan he doesn't panic no matter right. what happens he 
He stays focused on what's going on and tries to find the best way to put his team in the best position to be successful. And case in point was against Notre Dame this year, they haven't ran the ball the whole, whole game. But yet here they go. They get into the red zone, and he sticks with the running game. He doesn't just try to do four straight passes to get them in the end zone. He goes and runs the ball up the middle with, with Travis Etienne, who runs it in for the go-ahead touchdown at that time. Right. Even though the running game at that point had maybe like 15 yards rushing, you know, for the game, but he didn't panic and didn't just say, okay, I'm going to go empty set. I'm going to go five wide and all this stuff. He stays patient. And that allows Clemson, I think as an offense to run efficiently because of the guy who's calling the plays. And so, you know, to me, it's a seven point difference. I, I do. I'm with you. I think it is a big deal. I think there is something that Clemson fans should be concerned about it. Um, do I think Clemson's still the better team? Absolutely, I do. But, you know, we saw how different Clemson is when Trevor Lawrence is in the game, not in the game. Right. So you've got to think there's going to be some kind of difference with uh, Tony Elliott not being in the game. Um, absolutely. And the one thing I do like about Tony Elliott, what I think he does very well, is I really think he sets up plays. You know, he runs certain plays to set up something else. To give you an example of that, the Ohio State game last year where they they were running Trevor Lawrence, running Trevor Lawrence, and on that last touch, I think it was the last touchdown, mm -hmm. um, the linebackers bid on it, and they actually ran ETN behind those linebackers and gave him a little pop pass. He ran that thing all the way back. But that was because Tony saw that they were biting up on the run. They were biting up on the run. They were worried about Trevor. Then he does that in the fourth quarter. That takes a lot of patience. A lot of coaches would have unveiled that play earlier on. But mm -hmm. Tony found the right time to do that. And you can't tell me that doesn't that doesn't play a part in it, that it doesn't have a factor in it. You know, he sees the game from a um, bird's eye view. He understands what's going on. And it seems like he has things in his back pocket to reveal later. It's just, I mean, he really sets the game up pretty well. And I think you're going to miss that a little bit. And then also you're talking about the confidence of the players on offense. You know, they, if they believe in their coordinator and their offense, when you take that away and things don't go well, will the players still believe in what Clemson is doing? So, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, I, man, I think that was the best point you made right there, man. Talk about that play, that that was the winning touchdown uh, in that game because you're right, that shows you the patience he has um, because you're right. I think a lot of – I'm with you. I think a lot of OCs would have, you know, called that earlier in the game, especially when things weren't going well, right, right. you know. But the that touchdown was set up because during the game they kept running the quarterback draw – and it went for the 67-yard touchdown. It went for a couple other times for big yards. And so he knew that those linebackers would bite on it. And, of course, right. they did. And there goes Travis, right, sneaks right behind them, boom, 34 yards later, they're in the house, they win the football game. So I'm going to tell you also what I think of a good offensive coordinator. Also, I think back to the Oklahoma game. We played them in the playoffs. And Oklahoma marched down the field on this. Bam, mm -hmm. touchdown. But I think the real – great characteristic of a really good or even great coordinator is a feel for the game as it is going on. Mm -hmm. How do they adjust to what's happening right now? I think it's easy to say, hey, we're going to run these first 15 plays or so. And you may catch the defense or the offense off, off their game. And you may be successful, but you know what? You got a second quarter, you got a third quarter, and you got a fourth quarter that you got to deal with with multiple pieces that are moving and the climate of the game that can change at any time that's the real test of a great coordinator and there's no doubt in my mind that Tony and Brent Venables are the best two of the best coordinators you can possibly have on a team and that's why Clemson has been so successful at going to championship after championship they never seem to fold under pressure. They always seem like they're going to find a way to win, and they do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just 
I'm devastated with this Tony Elliott thing, but if anybody can pull this off, I think Clemson can definitely pull it off. Well, you know, one thing we've learned about Dabo is he always has a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he's always ready. He has a succession plan in place. And so it wasn't, you know, it didn't take him long to say, okay, Tony's out. He, he's sick. He can't play. He can't be with us. What's next? Who's going to step up? And of course that guy's Brandon Streeter, the quarterback's coach, the uh, passing game coordinator. He's the third guy on the headset um, on game days with Dabo and Streeter. I mean, with and Elliot. So it makes sense to move him now. So he's normally on the sidelines, Savon. So this is going to be a little different for him, but Brandon's going to be um, moved up top. But here's the good thing about that. A, I just mentioned he's the passing game coordinator. So that means he's in on a lot of what Elliot's doing during the week as they're talking right. about game planning. So that's the good news. So mm-hmm. he kind of understands what the what the the scheme is for this week, how they're going to attack. And then also the other good news with this for Clemson that makes you feel a little better is he's been a play caller before. Now, mm-hmm. albeit is at the FCS, FCS level when he was at Richmond, but he's done this before. And right. he did it for three years and was very successful, had some very successful offenses over there at Richmond. So he understands play calling. He understands all those things we just talked about. And I think that's going to be good for Clemson um, in this game. However, there is one negative to it, in my opinion. The one negative is he doesn't have the communication with Dabo Sweeney down. you got six years of Dabo and Tony knowing what the other guy's thinking, mm-hmm. understanding the, the – the, what is it, the flexions in their voice when they talk or when they um, – right. you know, something they need to talk about those little tiny things and and key moments of a game where you got to make a quick decision together jointly. Hey coach, I think we need to run this play. And Dabo is going to be like, okay, yeah, I like it. Go. That's not going to be there. And that's a, that's a concern for me uh, for Clemson as they, as they get into this game on Friday night. Well, I I think there's, that's a very good point. I, I think the good of Streeter being the offensive coordinator is that he's also Trevor Lawrence positioning coach. So I think he has an understanding what Trevor is very comfortable with and what they can do. Um, The other point, the flip side of it too, is that when you're a coordinator, your head coach has got to believe in you and you got to be able to say, no coach, we need to do this. So what happens when Dabo's like, no, no, we're not doing that. Will Streeter be able to voice his opinion and say, no, coach, we're going to do this? And will Dabo trust him enough to go with it? I mean, in the first quarter or so, he's probably going to be very compliant to Streeter and what he does. But what happens when it gets hot in that game or Ohio State is maybe up or they're doing some things on defense that we haven't seen? Will Dabo be willing to trust Streeter and his feel for the game. I think that could possibly be the difference too. But if anybody who's going to be the offensive coordinator at this point in time, I, I like Streeter as the offensive coordinator because I think he does have a feel for the offense, what Trevor can do. And, you know, he's not going to be by himself mm-hmm. doing this whole thing. But I think an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator has definitely got to be in control of what's going on on their side of the ball. Be interesting to see if Streeter's going to be comfortable on that level. In the, one of the biggest games of his career, uh, Clemson football at this point in time, can he pull it off? That's going to be the question. Well, you know, I think that's a good point you made, and you brought up Trevor, and I think that kind of, kind of bleeds into this point. Um, do you – do you think that in this game, and, and I think maybe you could see this, because Trevor already has a little bit of control of the offense. Like, they allow him to check out of plays. If, you know, if he thinks this, this play looks better to do this, he can check out of that play so he gets him in a good play. Um, so he's got a little bit of an offensive coordinator's mind already going on down there on the field. Right. You know, he, do you give Trevor a little bit more control? Or do you trust your quarterback, your All-American quarterback, your Heisman Trophy finalist, do you trust him to maybe say, okay, let's let let's go no huddle here. Trevor, it's on you. Let's go. Right. Man, you have to have a lot of confidence to do that. 
And not only you have to have a lot of confidence to do that, will Dabo Sweeney allow Trevor to just take control of a series? Um, so that's the thing I think you kind of have to worry about. I don't think it's Streeter that's going to you know, be like, you know, hey, let's let the kid take control. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I think really good coordinators, they understand when their player, uh, the players understand what's going on and they listen to their advice. I just remember Dick LeBeau, when I was with Pittsburgh Steelers, Dick LeBeau would listen to what the player's perspective was because he was a player. And sometimes I always refer to this. When you're, it's a difference between being a driver and being the passenger. When you're the driver, you understand how far you can go, how close you are, how to turn, how to maneuver that curve, how to maneuver traffic, because you're kind of more so in control. The passenger to me is like a coach. You know, sometimes they don't quite see it in the perspective that a driver sees it. Mm -hmm. So, I think, like I said again, do you give Trevor that kind of power to drive the car? Is he ready to drive a car, especially with a game like this, that everything is on the line? I think it would be kind of cool to see him do it for a series or two. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, players, they they know what's going on. They get a feel they for the game get it better. Done. You look at Roethlisberger. And, you know, Roethlisberger started calling his plays. You see what happened. Mm-hmm. So Trevor is one of the best quarterbacks um, in college and maybe in college history. Do you give him this opportunity to take control is the question. But um, like I said before, I think that this whole dynamic is going to be very interesting. I think it's going to really test the Clemson Tigers. If they can pass this test, uh, I think, man, this could be a possible championship for the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, we kind of talked about that last week. We do think if they can win this game, I think they're a good position to to maybe win it all. And um, so we talked a little bit about Elliott and the effect that I have. We talked about Streeter coming in, and we talked about Trevor Lawrence and what he'll play in this role. But also kind of sitting there on the outside, nobody's really mentioned it as much. And, I'm, and I really want your thoughts on this because you will know how this feels as a former player. You know, your position coach is not going to be in the game. Um, so Tony Elliott is the running backs coach. He's not going to be in the game at all. So, you know, Streeter is at least going to be able to get on the headsets and talk to Trevor Lawrence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Grisham's going to be talking to his receivers. Well, the position coach, the guy you talked to all week long, the last two weeks has got you ready for this game, if you're Travis Etienne and then you're Lynn J. Dixon and you're, you're all the other running backs, you don't have your guy there. Um, now, they're going to replace him with C.J. Spiller, who me and you both know is more than capable of stepping in and, and doing that. But, you know, C.J.'s a rookie coach. You know, he's a graduate assistant, kind of learning the ropes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's played in the NFL and he's played in some big games in both the NFL and college level. But coaching, as you know, man, a little bit different beast. And you know also as a player, how do you react when your position coach is not on the field with you or in, in the booth with you? Well, that's going to be – it's going to be different than what you would say in a professional NFL kind of situation. I think in an NFL situation, guys are professional enough to handle that situation in a favorable way. They still know they have a job to get done. And a lot of times you don't have to always tell them what to do. They understand what went on. I I think in this case that CJ has to be confident in whatever he tells them. And if he can articulate those pointers, those tips to those guys, you know, I feel like he will be fine. And then also you're not talking about freshmen running backs. You're talking about guys who've been there before. Um, Dixon, ETN, all those guys have been in game situations before. So I'm sure that those guys are mature enough to take C.J. Spiller at his word. But I feel as if you're C.J., go in there with a lot of confidence. Understand that you you have done it, you know, not only on a college level, but on a professional level, and that those guys need to heed your word. 
that you know exactly what you're talking about. And as long as he can do that, I don't see where there'll be a problem with, um, with him. Now, I, I, this kind of situation, man, you know, Terry Allen would have been a terrific replacement, you know, because <laughs> yeah. T.A., he knew the game inside and out. And, you know, he's been there. But I, I feel like C.J. get the job done as well. You know, he understands the game. He understands it from a running back perspective. And, you know, I don't think Dabo would put him in that situation if he didn't think he could handle that situation. Yeah, and I would imagine it's also got to be helpful for Clemson that they have a All-American running back three-year, four-year starter back there with Travis Etienne, a guy who can, you know, Travis, we all know is not a talker. He's a quiet guy. He, You know, he doesn't – he's not boisterous. But I would imagine just me in this game, LeVon, that he's going to be very boisterous, that he's going to be kind of being that guy saying, okay, I need to step up because coach ain't here. So I need to maybe step up and do some things, help, help my boy CJ out. And, you know, try to get this done to where we're all communicating, we're on the same page, and we understand what we got to do. Well, yeah, as long as I think there's going to be some stepping up uh, on the offensive side of the ball, to be quite frank with you. I feel like anytime you're missing someone, a lot of times guys have a tendency to say, okay, we got to pick up our game, as long as you don't overdo it. And that's the issue. Are you trying to prove your point so much? Are you going to let the game flow? And I think in this case, the Tigers need to make the game, let the game flow because I feel that Ohio State is not as good as they were last year on defense. And I think that you can, you can get with this defense a little bit better than what you did last year. Last year, they had some NFL guys, especially in that secondary. Man, they they had good. some guys – that were bona fide balls. And you know what they had on the defensive end that could bring it all the time. Two first round. They're not facing this kind of, they're not facing this kind of uh, defense this year. So that could be a factor in it also. And hey, when all fails, man, you go, you go to the weak link of that defense and you attack him and you attack him and you attack him until they do something different. So I, I think with the Clemson Tigers, they have to make sure they can make this game as simple as possible. They don't try to overthink it. They don't, you know, Streeter, don't try to be the guru of offense. You, you got you got a tremendous quarterback. You got some very good skill guys. And you got a running back. You know, call what makes sense. Don't try to outsmart, you know, don't try to be the wizard of offense and try to outthink anyone. Use your Jimmys and Joes because you got some Jimmys and Joes. And I'm sure that Streeter will be ready for this situation. I like it. The Wizard of Offense. So it's that follow, instead of the yellow brick road, follow the green road to the end zone. the green road. Yeah, (laughs) man. You know, I still believe in a lot of ways that football is kind of simple. Yeah. You know? It, it, it's complex, but it can be simple. It's, and it, a lot of times it really depends on who you're playing and what you have and what you can and cannot do. When I was a high school coach, that was one of the lessons that I learned, that you can take somebody else's playbook and you can try to implement it, but if it doesn't work to your personnel, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And you know what we say, Will. It all works and it all doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> a good right. defense and it's a bad defense. You know, every defense has a hole. Every defense has strengths. Every offensive play works and don't work. <laughs> you just have to figure out what works. If you can do that, you're absolutely fine. Well, we know what has worked well for Clemson in the past is Brent Venables and, and yeah. that defense. They've They've worked well a lot, and uh, Clemson still has uh, Coach V there, and um, he's going to be calling this game on that other side. And I think, you know, not that you're, you're going to miss Tony, don't get me wrong, but, man, I can't imagine LeVon if they didn't have Brent Venables uh, because he's just – his energy level and everything he does, man, it's just a different kind of beast. So, you know, Clemson's got him, um, and that's a good thing uh, for this game because – 
I think the matchup in this game to watch is going to be what he does schematically and trying to confuse Justin Fields as much as he can in the run game, in the zone read, in the run pass option, and then in the coverages if they can get them in third and long, different things of that nature. You know, I just think this is the matchup to watch is Brent Venables going against Justin Fields and trying to confuse him like he did. I thought I thought he did a masterful job last year of confusing uh, Justin Fields. Uh, no question about it. He did do a great job as far as confusing the, the young quarterback. I mean, Justin really didn't have any problem as far as the regular season was concerned. Then he went with Clemson, go, go against Clemson, and he turns the ball over twice as far as interceptions because he doesn't see the right thing or he thinks this is that, but it really isn't. And I, I think another key to the, uh, Clemson's defense is that the younger players, in my opinion, they're getting better. And they're healthier at the very right time. Now, I know Ohio State, they got some receivers now that's going to be in the NFL. Now, that's going to be a – and this is probably the best wide receiver group that Clemson has probably seen. Mm-hmm. And I know you look at Sermon, Sermon, from mm-hmm. last – you know, last – the the Big Ten championship game, and holy cow, he runs for 300 yards. So that's a concern. I don't see 300 yards going on, going against Clemson. But what I like from the Clemson defense is that these younger guys, like Simpson, for example, they're starting to make plays. Um, Breezy, is, they're making the right plays. And when you have Skowski and you have Davis and you have Jones, this is a really good defense, and I'm sure that they, they will do some things that confuse Justin Fields, and I'm sure that they're going to get after him when they need to get after him. And, you know, I'm, if I'm Ohio, Ohio State, do you worry about Justin Fields' stump from the previous week? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be 100% throwing that ball? You know, if he's limited, then you understand – that, hey, you load the box up because he's not going to be able to make those throws like he normally makes. So I wonder, will his thumb be ready for this type of game? But, yeah, you if you're a Clemson fan, you, you trust in what Brent has done because he's come through over and over and over again. So I, I see the Clemson defense really playing very well. Yeah, it's interesting you brought the thumb. I think to me that is um, the key to this whole game in a way. Because let's be honest, you know, Clemson's secondary, me and you've talked about it. We've talked them up all year that, hey, look, these guys are better than people think. These guys are NFL DBs. We think they got a couple NFL safeties. You know, they're they're better than people think, and they're going to cause problems, especially when they start getting it. And we saw that toward the end of the year where that light bulb has come on. They're 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 where they're supposed to be. They're going and making plays. They have confidence. The game is kind of slowed down, if you will. And so these windows are going to be tiny for mm-hmm. Justin Fields to throw the football into. You know Brent Venables is going to make sure of that. They're, these guys are not going to be running wide open. He's going to have to make pinpoint accurate throws. Well, you and I both know if the thumb is hurting, mm. it's hard to put velocity on football. It's going to be hard mm. for him to throw that football. That's going to be big because he's not going to have those wide open windows that he's had playing against some of these Big Ten defenses this year. He's not going to have that. It's going to be a tiny, small window. And so that thumb, man, has a thumb ever been so important in a game before? Because it is really, really important in this game. No question about it. And like you said before, when they're going against the Big Ten, a lot of times the guys are wide open. I mean, these receivers are wide open. But in a playoff situation, normally the teams are a lot better. Mm-hmm. The defensive backs are a lot better. So now can you make those timely throws? Can you throw to a guy when he's not quite open? Or when you, can you throw to a spot anticipating that he's going to be there? And usually that's usually the trouble with quarterbacks going into the NFL. They think that, you know, they're waiting for the guy to get wide open. But he's not going to be wide open. I think in this game, it's going to be the same situation where you normally see these guys wide open. But I think the Clemson DBs, I think they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying what they're going to do in this game, 
But what I've seen over the course of time, these guys can absolutely play and they can absolutely man to man, and they got depth in those in those um in those positions. We talk about the formula of a Clemson defense: great D line, very smart, active linebackers, and the DBs are NFL type DBs. Clemson has those type DBs. Nobody thinks it. Nobody believes it. But we have been talking about it all year, and it has come to fruition. That these guys that are on the corners and the safeties are, are pretty good. They're pretty good. And I think they'll be up for the challenge. And I, when you when you mix in Brent Venables and what he does from a scheme standpoint, you got a winning formula. You do. So I'm looking forward to what he's going to do. He's going to be proactive as always. You know, he's going to challenge Justin Fields. And I don't know if this Ohio State team is as good as it was last year. And I think that's going to be tested. And it's going to be on Justin Fields to make things happen. And we'll see what goes on. Yeah. And I think another part of this game to watch, and if there's a concern playing devil's advocate for if there's a concern for Clemson, it's where Nolan Turner is going to miss the first two quarters. That's going to be big. So mm-hmm. you're going to have Jalen Phillips. You're going to have uh, Joseph Charleston, Ray Thornton. Those guys are going to have to step up and come in and, and, and make plays. Now, the good news for Clemson is those guys have played in big moments this year. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they've, they've failed in big moments. <laughs> and that's the best thing to happen is to fail because then it's easier to see where you're making the mistakes. So – you know, I think Clemson's going to be okay, but, you know, they're going to be young on that backside. And when you have Landon Zanders, who's a sophomore, you know, he played in the college football playoff last year. He's got some experience. He's played in this kind of game. So he knows what to expect and what to do. But he's going to have to step up as kind of like the leader for the first two quarters. And to me, he's one of the most important players in this in this, in this this game because he's going to be asked to do something he hasn't he's not used to doing right now. Yeah, you know what? I, I always sometimes you have to just kind of break it down, and make it simple. I always feel like this. And I, I heard Michael Jordan say this, and I think it's so true. Michael Jordan never worried about a shot he hadn't taken yet. He never worried about missing a shot mm-hmm. that he hasn't taken yet. I think mm-hmm. when you're a young player, you just have to do your job. And you have to do your job well. And you have to be focused on what's going on. Read your keys. Let your keys take you to the ball. And I think a lot of times we say, well, you got to step it up. You just got to play well. You just got to play within your ability. Hey, if I'm a safety, I can't get beat deep. The most important thing, do not get beat deep. Everything else, just play ball. Just play ball. Understand your assignment and go out there with the energy you got these guys are plenty athletic enough where they can make plays. I think you get into trouble when you start trying to do more than what you're supposed to do, or you make a play bigger than it is, or you start projecting about what could happen. One of the things that I used to hate as a coach was when a guy would come to the sideline and say something like this. Well, coach, I thought they were doing that. And I would say, you need to stop thinking so much and see what's going on and react to it. You know, as mm-hmm. long as those guys not are not trying to see ghosts or things that are not have happened yet, they'll be fine. They'll be fine because they have played before. And usually, although it's a big game, you know what big games have what happens to big games? They become games mm-hmm. after a while. The hoopla. The pageantry is what makes the game seem like it's so huge. But within the game, after the first the first hit or so, it becomes a game. And you have to play the game. And people get in trouble with players, coaches, when they make the game way bigger than what it is. When they start thinking about the possibilities or what, what I thought was going to happen. Coach, I thought they were going to do this. I'm like, react to what they're doing right now. Don't be out there thinking so much, especially on the defensive side. 
dude, I want you to see it. I want you to read it. And then I want you to go after it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you out there saying, oh, I thought they were going to do this. So I, oh, hell no. <laughs> now no. you're getting burned. <laughs> That's how you get burnt. When guys start thinking a little too much on defense. We want you to react, dude. We want you to see it and react to it. Do your fundamentals, all that. But you out there trying to anticipate what's going to happen, first and foremost, you don't know what's going to happen. They could. <laughs> my whole thing was, dude, they can do anything. I'm just going to play what's going on, and I'm going to trust my eyes to take me there. There's sometimes you can anticipate, and you're absolutely right. But a lot of times, you just have to see what the play is. You know, when it's your blitz, hit your blitz. Mm -hmm. But don't be out there trying to overthink this game. That's when guys get in trouble. Earlier you mentioned about, you know, making sure you don't get too hyped. You don't get too – make the game bigger than it needs to be because it's just a game still. So don't let it get too big. Man, all I've heard all week – is how big Ohio State is making this game, how bad they want to beat Clemson. They got it on the scoreboard. They got a scoreboard in their locker room. They got a scoreboard when they're lifting weights. They're finishing up their mat drills, and they're yelling out 29-23. Justin Fields says, I've never prepared for a game harder than I have for this game right here. LeVon, that ain't good for Ohio State. Tell me I'm not crazy for thinking that. No, no, no. That's when teams get in trouble. That's when they get in trouble, when they make the game way bigger than what it is. For example, and I would never put them on Ohio State's level, when you think about the South Carolina Gamecocks, when they got beat 56 to 7, their whole theme was never again. We're never going to let this happen. Ain't no way they're going to come in Williams Bryce and embarrass us like they did at Death Valley. No way, never again, never again. And guess what happened? They got their face stomped on because they thought too much of the game. Mm-hmm. They thought too much. They made it bigger than what it was. They made it a revenge game. And that's when you can get in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's when you can get in trouble because guess what? That team last year is not the same team this year. They're not. Exactly. You have to let that stuff go. And play what's in front of you. When you start, when you start talking about biggest game, and you got caught up, and Davo knew exactly what he was doing when he ranked them 11th. Because you know what, that was going to get into their head because they're already making this game bigger than it is. I'm not saying that Ohio State can't win this game. I'm not saying that because you know, uh, anytime you line up, that a team could be the team, especially two teams of this caliber. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is, I think sometimes you can get caught up and you can make the game larger than what it is. Yep. And he knew exactly what he was doing because he knew they would overreact. And that's He knew that. that they would overreact to what he said and now they're going to be in the game they're going to be before the game. They're going to be tense. They're going to be trying too hard. And that's when you can take advantage of a team like that. So Dabo knows what he's doing. He must have got a master's in psychology because <laughs> that was a perfect that was a perfect ploy. It really was because he knows Ohio State. They have not beaten Clemson in the history of Ohio State playing Clemson, and they feel all the pressure. Add on to this a playoff game. Yeah. Not just a regular bowl game. It's a playoff game. And Clemson has found a way to win. You don't think that sticks with um, Ohio State? You don't think that they're desperate to win that game? They're so desperate that the Big Ten made concessions for them to play in the the championship game. Mm -hmm. They all want it. The conference, Ohio State, the people from Ohio, it is a pressure cooker. It's the biggest game they have played. And that falls, that that makes them fall into that trap. 
Yeah. It really and, does. And it's like, I, I love how you said that, you know, Dabo kind of knows what he's doing um, because, you know, these games, as you get into them and, you know, this team is thinking this thing is so big and we want this revenge and all this stuff. And you look at the Clemson program and you look at the Alabama program and let's just kind of go back and revisit history just a little bit here the last five years, right? Alabama beats Clemson in the national championship game. The next year, Clemson, you heard all year Dabo Sweeney would he would just dismiss it. He's like, Yeah, we're not we're not trying to get back to the game because we want to beat Alabama. We're just trying to go get back, maybe win a championship, put ourselves in position. You never heard him publicly say, We want to beat them. Now, right. once they beat them, then they're like, Yes, this is what we wanted. Right. Once they did it. But the whole time Dabo would sell, this is a you know, this is just a game. This is the next game. This is the next opponent. Kind of going that mantra that he's been doing. Alabama does the same thing. The next year, you don't hear Nick Saban and him saying, we want Clemson or none of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But when they got them and they got the opportunity that next year, they beat Clemson. And then right. they came back out and said, yeah, we weren't letting that number 13 beat us again. We were making sure that he wasn't going to beat us. And so it's nice fun. So then the next year, what does Clemson do? You know, it's all about, one game at a time, getting back to the championship, trying to win a championship, not beating Alabama, win the championship. So what do they do? They would do that, but they happen to beat Alabama. Then at the end, there's like, yeah, we wanted these guys. We wanted to beat them. But leading up to it, they never mentioned it. That's all we've heard Ohio State do. That's all we've heard them say, how bad they want Clemson. When Justin Fields just told every opponent that he played this year that he overlooked them, that he didn't respect them, because he says, this is the game I've prepared more for this game than any game I've prepared for all year. That's what he said, quote, end quote. Yeah. That's not and good. And if and that's, they, when, that's when you fall into the trap. Yeah, and if, yeah. if they that's get in any kind of – like if Clemson comes out, LeVon, and, and goes up 14 nothing, ball game. Because now they're like, oh, here we go again. They're going to beat us again. That's the trap they're in because they've made this game bigger than it needs to be. And that's why I said they on Twitter, they had this video. They put it, they put out a video, Levon. I'm sure you saw it. The video of all about beating Clemson. It was Ohio State football's official video, all about beating Clemson. And I'm like, and I, I t- retweeted it with the quote tweet. And I said, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm worried seeing this. I'm not hyped. I'm worried because this isn't good if things go bad. I said, it's not saying Clemson's going to win. But if things start going bad for your team, game over. Clemson's going to win because they're in your head. Yeah, I I think that's the one thing that as a college program, you have to make sure that the players keep it in perspective. They're still young. They're still developing minds. And what you never want them to do is to get too high with the highs and too low with the lows. You don't want to ever make it about the opponent. You want to make it about you and what you do. And I, like I said before, the example of the South Carolina, we got our revenge. We're going to get them back. And what happened? It blew up in their face because that's all they thought about. Mm-hmm. And they wasn't emotionally and physically ready to handle a Clemson team. I think you get caught up when you start talking about revenge games. I think that puts a little bit too much pressure on the team, on these young guys, it's already going to be a lot of anxiety and going to be a lot of butterflies. So now you're going to hype up this game and say, this is the biggest game we ever played in our lives. Only thing I've been thinking about is the Clemson Titans. Blah, blah, blah. I'd like to see how that plays out because you're playing against a team with a quarterback who's been through the wars, baby, and he understands how to beat you. And he got the skills to beat you. The whole team does. They've been there, done it before. You cannot make a game like this about your opponents. You've got to make this game about what you do and what you do well. You know what that tells me when a team does that? That they're not quite sure if they can win. It's in the back of their minds. They're trying to convince themselves. They're trying to convince themselves, and they're going to play off the juice. But what happens when the juice runs out, when the emotion runs out? Because the game settles down. You're going to be hyped and hyped and hyped 
And then when you get that Mike Tyson overhand right, <laughs> okay, now that whole game plan, that whole hype session that you have, it kind of runs away and it goes away. Yeah. So when a team starts thinking like that, you kind of like, and you make a good point, Will, it's like, are they really quite sure they can do it? Because they haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. And Clemson, they beat you several times. So they're going to go in the game knowing that they got your number. <laughs> you know? They know. We got your number. Free rent, man. Yeah. We should, yeah, we have done. We have beat you. You got to beat us. And you know how the gods are. The gods are for the favorite team, unless the team that's the underdog does something about it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't do something about it, all the breaks, all the turnovers, all that stuff usually goes to the favorite, the team that's favorite. If you don't believe me, watch a football game and see how it goes. The underdog has to take everything because they're not going to be given anything. That's how the football guys work. And if they see the football guys, if they see that you're going to fight, you know what? They give you a little momentum there, here and there, because they see it. But the football guys, if you don't, if you don't take it, they're not going to give it to you. Mm-mm. They're on the side of the favorite team. There is. And I know people may not believe that. But it is absolutely true. Just watch it. No, you're right. Think about every big game. Like let's 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 kind of break that down just a tad bit here, real fast. The uh, Clemson game in, in 2017, right? The national championship game against Alabama. That Clemson came back and won. Think about that. How Clemson had to make those plays. Jordan Leggett's catch. Remember that catch? He had to yeah. go make that catch. Mike Williams going up and getting that one catch on a third down, a big third down play. Um, you know, Deshaun doing the helicopter to try to get the first down. Remember, he got hit and he did the helicopter. And and then, of course, six seconds to go, which me and you both know, six seconds to go in a football game, and you got one yard to get to win it, you got to score, or the game's probably over because odds are it takes seven seconds to run a play, usually. Mm -hmm. So anything under seven seconds is you kick the field goal, go to overtime. Well, Dabo Sweeney said, nope, we're going for the win. The football gods want us to win. We're going to win it. We're going to have to go make this play to win it because we're not going to win it in overtime. We're going to have to win it now. Right. So what he go do? He made the play. Great call by Jeff Scott and those guys, and they go win the game with one second to go. That is what you're talking about. That is what Ohio State has to do. Instead, though, Ohio State is, like you said, they're not worried about taking care of Ohio State. They're worried about Clemson. Where Clemson's coming in saying – we don't care that you're Ohio State. We're not worried about that name on your front of your jersey. All we're worried about is trying to execute and trying sure. to win this football game. We're not worried about if it's the we're in the Sugar Bowl and it's the college football playoff. No, no, no. We're just worried about the next game, and that's this game right here, and we're trying to win this game, and that's it. That's the difference in the two cultures. That's why Clemson and Alabama are always the best two teams because that's their mindset. That's how they approach every game, no matter what game it is. It doesn't mean they always win, but they win most of the time because of it. And that's where Ohio State's not at yet. That's where the difference is. And as we get into predictions here, that's going to be the difference in this game, in my opinion. Right. I I truly think so. Um, Like we said before, Ohio State has a climb over that hump that they haven't climbed over yet. Mm -hmm. And usually that is the toughest thing to get over that very first win and it'll be interesting to see if they can do it because I think we both agree the Ohio State team they had last year is a better team than what they had this year I don't buy into well they only play six games or whatever like that Ohio State is talented enough to go in there and win they are but they haven't done it yet on this stage and you wonder Will they get it done on this stage? Now, the Tony Elliott thing is of concern, but you would think that Clemson has a plan for that. It'll be see, it'll be interesting to see Ohio and their mindset. And I'm just 
you know, as a as a player, as a coach, I never, I never wanted to, you know, beat a team because of their namesake. That wasn't really the thing. It was about, you know, our results are out there for us to go get. We're going to prepare. And then when the game comes, we're going to go get our results. Forget that team. I don't care about that team. Nothing about it. But when you start getting involved in about the team and you make a big deal about the team, I think a lot of times you can present yourself a trap that when it doesn't go well, then what happens? Because they're thinking we're going to – they're only playing the best scenario in their mind. They're not thinking – Holy cow, we're down by 14. <laughs> I see you, this coming. <laughs> and, and you know what happens when a team that's not favored are down by 14? They start thinking, here we go. Here we go again. The opposite happened last year. You know, Ohio State was they had all the momentum in the world last year. Mm. And they still didn't get it done. That plays with you. <laughs> Absolutely. That plays with you. And like I said, I mean, not saying that Ohio State can't get it done, but they haven't got it done. You know, will they get it done this time around? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure either. So if you had to put a score, what what, what are you thinking? I hate when, when we have to do scores. I know, man. Uh, or just, uh, say, just say, you can say two scores, one score. What are you thinking? I'm thinking it's going to be like a – I think it's going to be a touchdown game. It could be uh, maybe 10 points. It could be two touchdowns. Um, now, if Tony Elliott was there, I would say two touchdowns, Clemson. Mm-hmm. I would. Uh, I would. I had all the confidence in the world. But now that Tony's out, I think it may be a factor. And I'm going to say maybe 10 points or so. Because Ohio State, they are very talented. And they can get it done. And I'm sure that they want this game very badly. So I think it's going to be another war. So I see a 10-point game. Yeah, I see it the exact same way as you. I think it's going to be a, a war. I think um, I think first team 30 wins um, because I do think the defenses will have some success in this game as they did last year. And, um, you know, people, some people are thinking sh- shootout and a plus 40 points. I'm like, no, 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 no. These no, two defenses, these two, two defenses are too talented, you right. know, with the players. Ohio State may be young in the secondary, but they still got a lot of talent. There's still four or five-star guys back there running around. You know, I mean, they're – you know, they're just like Clemson's guys. They just got to grow up. Uh, you know, that's more or less what it is. And so I look at this game that I think Clemson's the better team. I think Clemson's a better team this year than they were last year. I don't think Ohio State is as good as they were a year ago. Um, and I think that's going to play out in the end. And I think, you know, I was like you. I was going to go two scores with Tony Elliott before the Tony Elliott news came out. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, okay, it's probably a seven to ten point game. Right. Um, and I don't know how that plays out, whether Clemson's in control of the game and just hangs on and wins it late, or whether they get a score late to go up seven and win the game. But I just think Clemson is is a little bit better than Ohio State right now. And and I do think the adversity is going to play a problem for Ohio State in this game because they're so jacked right now. And, um, you know, that generally spells problems. So, yeah, I'm thinking Clemson. And then real quick, who do you think on the other side? Who do you think Clemson plays? Wow, I think it'll be easy to say that they're going to probably play Alabama. I, I, I mean, I know people like Notre Dame and the rah rah and touchdown Jesus and all that jazz. Uh, I think the defense is going to have a hard time stopping Alabama. I, I, I just do. I don't think Alabama is that great on defense so much, but also Notre Dame is limited on offense. Yeah, they don't have the skill players. They, you you got to be able to score a lot of points on Alabama to beat Alabama. I don't know if Notre Dame can score that many points unless, you know, they, they, they're going to try to slow down the game. They're going to try to make it a mass mouth game. But then if that's the case, they're just going to stack the box because let's be frank with you. Notre Dame don't have guys that can just beat you downfield deep unless you – Unless you just forget your coverage. Which they, Alabama has done. <laughs> yeah, which, they, which they have done. I'm not saying they haven't done that. Right. But are you really scared of their wide receivers? No. You're not. 
if you know the dame and you're their DBs, are you frightened what they, those guys can do to you? Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. You are. Yeah, there's no doubt. They got a pretty good, powerful running game. So Notre Dame is going to have to get some breaks. Other than that, if they don't get any breaks, I see them getting the breaks beat off them. Now the good the good news for Alabama uh, for Notre Dame is they Notre Dame is takes care of the football very well, and that's going to be important not to give Alabama extra possessions. That's going to be a huge thing in this game, right? Um, I think if you're Notre Dame, one thing you try to do, Devon, especially if those safeties and those DBs are going to creep up, linebackers are going to creep up, I think you go down the scene with those tight ends because they do have the tight ends that can exploit that. Yes. And so I think that's one way to get that to back off a little bit is use those tight ends and use them correctly. I don't think they used the tight ends as well against Clemson as they did in the first game against Clemson. That might have been Brent Venables adjusting to it as well. Um, so, you know – We'll see if they kind of take – because this is a Alabama team that they're just not good on defense, man. They're not. They're not Alabama that we know from the, – they look like a Big 12, old Big 12 defense. You know, it's kind of crazy Oklahoma swapping kind of what they did on defense with Alabama right now. I mean, it's like a, like they just, they just changed defenses and the personnel. I don't know. But I think Notre Dame can make this a closer game than people think. I think right. they can shorten the game, sort of like North Carolina to Clemson last year in Chapel Hill. Shorten the game, maybe get a couple turnovers, a couple breaks, you know. And if you do that, then all of a sudden you get in that third quarter and it's a one-possession game or it's tied, game on at that point. Yeah. Because Alabama hasn't been in a game all year, man. The closest they came was against Georgia, remember, and then they just do what they do and they, they were able to pull away because Georgia didn't have a quarterback. Well, Georgia usually chokes in these situations. Let's be quite right. frank about that. Now, I say all that, right? <laughs> Alabama still has Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he he's still the best coach in college football. Uh, Dabo Sweeney's right there. It's 1A, 1B. But Nick Saban's still Nick Saban. And I, and I think in the end, Alabama, you know, gets it done. And that's going to be Clemson, Alabama, part five uh, for a national well, championship. I just think if Notre Dame's going to win this game, the Ian Book has to make some plays. And we saw the formula of how to stop Ian Book. You keep him in the pocket. And the one thing that I think Ian Book does, I think he kind of panics. I I think if things are not right there and they're not doing a lot of play action stuff, that he panics in that pocket. (laughs) Yeah, he reminds me a lot of uh, Baker Mayfield. That's who he reminds me of. They need to roll him out. They need to do a lot of play action passes and get him on the corners now. If they're going to try to wait and let him just read his progression and stay in the pocket, Ian Book is not good in the pocket. That's a good point. Get the ball out quick. And that's another thing. Short passing game, I think they can do that against Alabama, which can loosen up the run and allow them to start running the ball too um, because those plays are going to be there. And you've got to, you know, you got to mix it up with Mac Jones. You can't just let him sit back there and just massage the ball. And throw it to whoever he wants to throw. No, it you got to put some pressure on Mac Jones. You got to get you gotta in his put face. some pressure on him. You got to make him. You got to put him under distress because if you don't put him under distress, he's just gonna. He's one of those quarterbacks that just eat you up. You know what I'm doing if I'm do, if I'm the DC for Notre Dame? You know what I'm doing? What's that? I'm playing cover three the whole game. I'm never coming out of it. I don't care if they run for 240 yards from 20 to 20. I am never coming out of that cover three. I am not letting number six and those wide receivers. Not beat. happening. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take him. You know what? I say take him away too. You know, when you get an opportunity, man, bracket him. Don't you can't let that guy beat you Mm-mm. out of all those guys. Make him like sometimes, man. You, you make him drive out to the red zone. Make it hard for him to get in the red zone. Yeah, you make it hard. Him. Just yeah. you know, play physical with them to get in the red zone and and make them earn it. If they go down there and they go on a 13-play drive and they score, you tip your hat to them. You say, yeah. good job, and you move on. That's but you point. don't give them the free 60-yard touchdown pass on third and two and stuff like that. You just yeah. don't do it. And you play – you make it look like cover one, play cover three. I used to do it, I used to do it in high school with my guys all the time. We're going to yep. make it look like something, but we're playing something different. Exactly. You know, we're going to make it look like something, but we're playing something different. And we're not going to put our DBs in harm's way. Not gonna do it. Not gonna do that. Mm-mm. We're gonna make them if they get a big play. If they get a big play, I'm mad. We're not giving up the big play. They they better catch everything underneath 
we'll just come up and make the tackle, and we'll rally to the ball. I mean, if if you're if you're Notre Dame and you lose twenty eight to seven, then so be it. Yeah, I'd rather lose twenty eight to seven than sixty two to twenty four. Exactly. I'll be honest with you, I, I would. Yeah. You know, you you'll be foolish if you're Notre Dame trying to go man to man against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will be foolish to do that. Anybody be foolish to do that. Even, Anybody even. would be foolish to do that because you're going to get killed at the end. Mm-hmm. The defense is all about energy, as we always talk about, and you keep putting those guys in harm's way. You're going to get burned. Man, that's the way it works, man. Yeah, it's going to be in trouble. Yeah. Dude, it was fun, man. Oh, I know, was a great show, man. Yeah, I loved it, man. We're talking college football playoffs. You know, Hopefully next week we're talking – national championship game this is what we want to do this is what makes it so fun man so man it's been a blast dude um i know you got a phone call to make and um yeah it might be kennedy your daughter so i'm gonna let you get to it hey did i tell you that i gave kennedy for uh christmas i gave her some pepper spray oh good for you (laughs) yeah because you know she's driving and you know she's by herself and as a father man you start thinking you try not to overthink situations but you just like Hey, just in case something goes down, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta you gotta make sure she's protected. Absolutely. Yeah, always so I always tell my young student workers, the female student workers, to always be aware of your surroundings. Always no be careful. I'm not saying be scared, be careful. There's yeah. two different things. Just be yeah. careful. Understand your surroundings. Right. You don't wanna you know, you know never wanna live in a fear kind of mindset, not at all. Mm-hmm. But hey, man, being safe is there's nothing wrong with being safe. Yeah. Nothing wrong with nothing you know, parking your car in a very lighted place. You know, having somebody walk you to your car. Understand your surroundings. What's the word? Being yeah. vigilant. That's the word. Yeah. And, I, and you know, that's the lesson. You know, that's the talking to I gave to my daughter. Like, yeah, here's some pepper spray. You know, just in case somebody try to act up. You know what time it is. And trust me, if you hit them right, they'll be focusing on that pepper spray in their eyes and in their throat. Exactly. So, yeah. So I gave her a pepper spray. I, I recommend any fathers out there that love their daughters and want to protect them, pepper spray. To do the same thing. Yep. And I recommend that to all my student workers. Trust me, you can ask every single one of them that have worked for me. I asked one of the first things I said, you got pepper spray? Because you need it. You need to make sure you got that. Um, yeah. You know, just don't, don't ever, just be safe. Again, just be safe. And so. You know, so that's great, man. And that's great. We're gonna, I guess we'll go ahead and get out of here, man. Right, Appreciate man. you. Like I said, hopefully next week we're talking about a national championship. Um, it's been fun for LeVon Kirkland. I'm Will Vandervoort. Uh, you've been listening to Inside Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.